episode of Ruminations of Bread Room. I'm your host, Kyle, with a K. And today we have with me Ian with two E's. I'll let you go first since you were just so excited to talk. John Cena speaking Mandarin is pretty funny to hear and watch. Mm, I don't want to talk about it. And also joining us, we have Brendan, the new blood. Brendan, how you doing? Uh, we got to pour one out. The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones broke up yesterday, so I'm pretty bummed about that. Whoa. Yeah, that, that hurts. That one, Breaking. That one hurts. Yeah. Um, um, also, I did get my uh, pre-ritualistic recording subway trip in today. I walked through... 10 inches, 10 inches of snow, two miles, one way, just to get a sub. How much Chipotle sauce was on this Subway sandwich? And did you Ugh. see your friend at Subway? Uh, no, he wasn't there today. I was bummed. It was his son, who I, I don't know as well. His son? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, hey, can I get us some extra Chipotle sauce? And he was like, yeah, sure. And he got like a fucking good wind up, and he just squeezed that thing like like he was like wringing someone's neck, just like his father. You know, the apple doesn't fall from the tree. You know what I'm saying? A uh, father and son ran subway. That is impressive. Yeah, I kind of want to like if I ever go to visit you, we're going to visit this subway. I oh, want to course. be introduced to both of these people. Ian. And then not eat there because it's a subway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. You're not wrong. Ian, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Kel. Doing pretty good. Have you logged anything in Letterboxd lately? Oh, sure, bud. Oh, sure. But what I've mostly been doing and what I'm going to be doing for mm -hmm. this past weekend is playing Pokemon Legends Arceus. Ooh, talk to me about it. Um, I played about an hour and 30 minutes, and it is possibly the greatest hour and 30 minutes of my life. It's getting very mediocre reviews, but because they say like the open world element seems like empty, kind of hollow. Yeah, yeah. Like, like there's not much going on. How's the combat? Um, it's fun. It's fun. You can move around. It's kind of like... Um... You know, I don't play a lot of those RPGs, but uh, you, you kind of get to move around while your Pokemon are battling. So you can, like, do 360s while you're Can Pokemon. you do Nose Goats? Yeah. Okay. Um, I like that you can actually see, like, when you do, like, Aqua Jet, for, for an example, you can actually see your Pokemon go into the jet and then just shoot at the other Pokemon and kill it. It's awesome. Interesting. Okay. Okay, we'll check it out. I just got a Switch OLED, and I have, like, two games on it. So I'm not really a huge pokemon fan per se but i did play red blue and yellow back in the day i didn't mean to rhyme that just happened <laughs> so 20 year old um, games 20 year old games hey i'm an i'm an old guy but i have been playing some games as well i've been playing so i'm on a crusade to replay every remedy game starting with the original max Payne. i finished max Payne one and two the fall of max Payne. Great games. Just just absolutely great games. And I'm on Max Payne 3 now. It The production value of this game is insane. The writing is insane. It's written by Dan Hauser. He did the writing for Red Dead Redemption 1 and 2. He's done, like, 
all the Grand Theft Autos since the original, probably. It's definitely since three when it kicked off. Um, but no, it's a, it's an awesome continuation. And then I'm playing Alan Wake next, and I'm excited. But after I finish the Max Payne games, I'm going to cap it off with that uh, 2008 or 9 movie with Mark Wahlberg. So Banger. So excited about that. And Mila Kunis casted as Mona Sachs. Oh, my God. I can't even. So bad. It's so bad. But um, oh, it's, a bad hey, it's, it, it's bad. Brendan, have you been uh, indulging in anything lately? Yes, I have. Uh, I have a lot, so I'm just going to be really quick instead of just covering one or two. Um, Take as much time as you want, dude. We're just chilling tonight. Oh, We're kicking it. Okay. Uh, last Night in Soho. Ooh. Fucking loved it. It was so good and completely not what I expected. Uh, and I, I, I kind of revised my letterbox statement saying that it's the least Edgar Wright movie of them all. Like, I... I would wager that very few directors would do that Matt Smith dance scene practically. Like, mm. I, I don't, I don't know if you're mm. familiar with the behind the scenes of that shot. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's besides two or besides one insert, I believe it is a completely practical shot And that alone is like the only Edgar Wright thing. I was like, yep, that's it. Actually that sold me right there. Um, and it it was just a really interesting movie. Uh, I I called one of the two big things. One of the things is with the guy that's at the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I, I don't want to get into some spoilers on that. Um, no, please don't. It's yeah. too new still. Yeah. Uh, it it was awesome. And then I followed that up with Titan. I purchased that. I have not watched it yet. I'm probably yeah. going to watch it tomorrow. And uh, I, I, I won't go too much into that. But uh, if you like, if you like Raw, uh, I think that you'll definitely be a fan of this movie. But this movie is not what the trailer paints it out to be in any way, shape, or form. Uh, for me, it's one of the one of the weirdest and most disturbing things, and one of the most wholesome things that I've seen in quite a long time. Uh, it, I feel like that's weird to put together. <clears throat> what was your rating for uh, on Letterbox for Last Night and Titan? Uh, both got four and a half into heart. What was stopping you from rating Titan a five out of five? Uh, it doesn't have very much rewatch value to me. Where I, I think something like Raw, I could rewatch. I I could sit down and want to rewatch Raw, but there's there's so many things in titan and i i hate to be i'm not the type of person that would be like you know based on someone's looks i don't want to watch something that they're in but there's something that that the lead girl does at some point in the film that i just like i can't stand to look at her face in it so i don't think i will watch it again or at least i'll give it a couple a a year or so before i do rewatch it again because there's just something so visually unappealing about it but it works for the story um so i understand i have the same feeling about the the main actress the main lead in the new scream 2022 but um what yeah uh hey ian before we move on though (laughs) 
Um, I'm really curious, since you didn't really get to touch on any movies, have you logged anything in Letterboxd lately? I uh, was actually going to go over three movies. Um, one Kyle, one Brendan, one Kyle again. Oh. Um, I just want to dabble on Red Angel real quick. So you didn't like that movie, or you just thought it was all right, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was okay. Okay, you didn't want, you didn't like. What what didn't you like about it? Um, now I have a feeling you're going to counter this with uh, it's just very Japanese, but I thought <laughs> it the, is. But oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> specifically, specifically the acting. I thought the. Um, yeah. I mean, it is. Well, yeah. well, well, just the relationship between her and the doctor. Um, it didn't seem like real enough and raw enough. It seemed very like soap opery and dramatic, but mm-hmm. the rest of the tone of the movie was trying to be very less melodramatic. And it was like a clashing of like the way it was, I don't know. Like it was like a clash of different feelings and, but they didn't mesh well together for me. And uh, I also just don't think the, the overall like, story was that great um and appealing but uh like the acting was superb the acting was really good i enjoyed okay. the acting outside of the the doctor and the nurse relationship yeah everything else was good um did you like just the, the themes way... I no were... no i didn't oh. like the themes i didn't like the way the movie was broken up i didn't like the pacing of it it just seemed very like like it was good but it wasn't great it was just fine for me. Okay. Okay. That's fair. But you gave it a four and a half, so talk to me about it. Yeah. I mean, I loved pretty much everything about it. It was very dark. Um, the themes were sad. It was a super sad movie. It had some heart, some romance. Um, it, was just, it just had a lot going on. Um, the, Jap- the, the, the acting was very Japanese. Um, I agree with that, but, uh, but I don't mean to say that as like a bad thing, like for something to be quote unquote, very Japanese. Like yeah. that's <laughs> no, that's I mean, they not, just have a different culture. Like, well, no, but that's not bad to me. It's just, I, I'm more talking about the traumatization of the relationship between the doctor and the nurse that I didn't like, like that acting between them specifically just yeah. really took me out of the experience. It's not just quote unquote, it was Japanese, but. No, I get it. No, he yeah. was like super anti-simp for the first half, and then he kind of grew and, on. And then he so just flips like completely, completely flips like changed really one movie. night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's yeah. what that pussy does. Like, you know, you know, you know. Um, yeah, it was just a really good movie. Um, I thought the visuals were quite sad and um pretty real it had some pretty like real images of like limbs being tossed in uh, buckets and just like a bunch of limbs being in, in one bucket and that was that was just sad to see and they i mean it's probably what really happened like for any war really um but yeah i i, I don't know I, I i quite quite enjoyed it quite quite enjoyed it uh next movie i want to go with Brendan. yeah Nobody. 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 That movie fucking rocks. Tell me why you think it's better than John Wick, right? Uh, no, I think it's better than two and three. Okay. 
Um, I still think that two and three are are very, very fine action films, which surprisingly, as much as I like the first one, I've only seen two and three um, a couple months ago, actually. Uh, I will I will say that I think I like three better just because Jason Manzoukas is in three and he can't do any wrong. So that automatically gives it like two extra stars. There are uh, a ton of um, martial arts specialists in the third one. Yeah, and, and, and look at me picking out the comedian that I like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, dude, nobody was just... It was pretty much beat for beat John Wick sans the dead dog, and they just kind of uh, made Bob Odenkirk's character arc uh, a little different. Uh, but... No, it was just so cool. Christopher Lloyd looks so bad. Did you notice that every shot that he was in, uh, they gave him... It seems like they went out of their way to give him little movement. Because every <laughs> every time he moves, it looks like the fucking Tin Man before he gets oiled up. And I was yeah. like, oh, good for him. He's making that money. I, I was happy for him. Uh, He's at a point where his skin looks like it's it's holding him down. <laughs> It's unfortunate. But I and mean, I mean, he he had like he had three shotguns on him, and I was like, oh, if those were actual real life shotguns, that would be like sixty pounds on him, and he would crumble. Yeah, that'd be pretty heavy. Uh, no, but dude, yeah, nobody was was so cool that that opening fight, the the first fight scene on the bus, just like perfectly sets up the expectations of what you're gonna get from this movie. And uh, I the the opening montage, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday thing, I think that was a really fun spin to put on the day in a life of montage of someone and do it perfectly in an action setting because it starts to speed up and speed up and one day just blends into the other. And I just thought it was uh, everything about it was fantastic. Yeah, it's just super fun. It's like if James Gunn directed a, the John Wick movie. Yes. Yeah. It's and now, now I'm becoming obsessed with with James Gunn James because Gunn, of the Suicide know, right? Squad and, and Peacemaker, <laughs> and I, I need. And uh, he also did the Belko experiment, which I wasn't he the did. biggest. I wasn't the biggest fan of it, but it. I'm going to go back and rewatch it now, just because I'm apparently on a James Gunn kick. I have a question: If you guys could have James Gunn remake or reboot any property, what would you have him do? Remake horror. or reboot? Horror oh, or easy. genre? Ninja Turtles. Anything. Anything. Ninja Turtles. That's a good choice. That's a good choice, actually. Imagine that's... James Gunn remaking the 90s Ninja Turtles movies. They can make it over the top, like, kind of violent. And then, like, yeah, dude. And, like, the comedy and the banter between the turtles would... Yes. Yeah, that would act... that's a good one, dude. That's actually a really good one. I hey, I think, I, got think one, be, I think it would be fun to see him do a uh, a remake of Blade. Blade that would be interesting. Cuz sure. Blade is Blade Marvel or DC? That's Marvel. Marvel. Okay. You know, I I feel like he could he could do some interesting things with Blade, but it wouldn't be as dark and broody as the first one. There would be that like weird vibrance pop filter that he that he uh has as I would assume color correctionist do on all of his stuff. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, it would be interesting to see him do something with vampires or maybe, maybe reboot, uh, uh, the, the, of the dead series. Interesting. Yeah, that would be, 
That would be crazy. I don't know how. I don't. I can't picture that. Like a like a James Gunn of the Dead series. I can't picture how that would be. But I mean, he did write the remake to Dawn of the Dead, so he had his hand in it a little bit, I guess. Did he really? I didn't know that. Yep, the Zack Snyder movie. He uh, he wrote that. Wow. Um, I know you guys aren't a fan of it, but I would really like, I really want him to remake the, uh, the warriors so bad. Like he's already good at making films that have like a ragtag group of blanks and, uh, just the, the style and over the topness of the original warriors. I think he would be so fitting for a remake of that. And it's, it's one of my favorite films. I, I would love to see that, but it's a pipe dream that'll probably never happen. You had a a third movie, though, Ian? I did, Kyle. Um, 1997's Double Team. Double Team. (laughs) Dude, (laughs) I haven't seen that movie in so long, bro. Like, it's been a minute since I've seen that movie. But uh, is that the one with JCVD and it's John Claude Van Damme and Lamar Odom? No. Dennis Rodman. What? Dennis Rodman. Rodman? Yeah, okay. Mickey Rooney. Talk to me about it. Um, it it probably made the top of my list for the best worst movies. Yes. Yeah, in my opinion. Sense. It it uh, it's it's on par with like Sleepaway Camp, because that, that movie's just a trip. Even even if you watch it alone, um it's it's still wildly enjoyable. Um, but Double Team was just stupid beyond belief. Um, Dennis Rodman had all of the basketball um, windows and <laughs> just <laughs> it, it was cringy at some points, but like that's what just made it special and really fun to watch. Is it better than Kill List? I would rather not say. Well, today we're covering a film from 2011. So, Mitch, if you can hit that time machine for me real quick. So we'll talk about the top five highest grossing movies of that year, and then we'll break down the horror films after. Number five, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. The one Pirates of the Caribbean Caribbean movie, I'm sorry, that I have not seen. Is that the third one? I don't know. Third or fourth? Uh, Sure. I honestly lost track after the second one. All right, moving on. Uh, Number four, (laughs) The Hangover Part 2. Why do do they call them roofies? Because you don't end up on the roof. (gasps) I've only seen Hangover Part 1. I never saw two. And then they made a third, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see the third one. It's funny because Ken Jeong's dick is in it. That's comedy, right? It's comedy, right? Yeah. Number three is The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn. Classic. Part one. Number two is Transformers, D- Dark of the Moon. I didn't see that one either. And then number one is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows, Part two. So the last movie. Uh-huh. God, that was in 2011? Jesus. Wow. I felt like three years ago. Um, but fuck that shit, because we're not covering those anymore. We're covering <laughs> horror movies. <laughs> so horror movies. Uh, number five was The Right. Have any of you seen that? No. The right, the right, R, I, R I T E. W R I T E. Oh, R I T E. No, just R I T E. 
Yeah. 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 I haven't that's, seen it. That's the one with Anthony Hopkins, right? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> number four was Scream 4, Brandon. Talk to me about Scream 4. Scream Where's four, that placement was... in the Scream franchise for you? Uh, it probably has to go. Uh, I'm gonna cheat a little bit because one and five both take the first spot. One uh, and <laughs> so I would say that it's a tie. That I would say that Scream Four is probably it would probably go Scream One and Five. Okay, Scream Scream Two, Scream Four, Scream Three. Which is better, Scream One or Scream Five? Uh, I, I don't want to spoil my 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 grisly gushing about it. Oh, good call. But just go ahead and do it real quick. Just tell us. Uh, <laughs> after sitting on it, Scream Five. Scream Five is the best scream, in your opinion. Yes. Okay. You heard it here first, guys. Scream Five is better than Scream One. <laughs> But, but still may not be the greatest horror movie of all time. <laughs> and then number three, we have Final Destination 5. Oh, is that the one with the logs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, think, I think that's yeah. the one with the bus. I'm almost yeah. so, or is it the yeah. roller coaster? No, that's, you know, three is the roller three. coaster. Five yeah, is three. The... Wait, I thought three was the logs. That's two. Two is, two. Two two is, is the, the logs. logs. Three is a roller coaster. Four is the NASCAR. Oh, no, NASCAR. Five is the one that turns out to be a secret prequel to the first one. It's insane. Caught me off guard. No, it did, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that dude also gets, like... Is that the one where he gets his guts sucked through his anus? No. Spoilers for Kill List. (laughs) That's probably one of my favorite kills of all time. I think that's three. No, it's at least four. Is that okay. is that really a thing that happens? Yeah, yeah. He gets the they're like draining a pool, and he gets stuck oh, at the bottom of the pool. I remember that in the trailers back when yeah. I was a kid. Oh man, that's what happens, huh? It never showed it in the trailer, so I just assumed. No, yeah, he gets sucked all the way, and you know. Okay, fair enough. Number two is Insidious. Classic. Wait, the first one. Yes. Oh, I thought that came out. You didn't say Insidious 2, Brendan. Okay. Insidious colon the first one. <laughs> and the number one. We can't have a, a top five top horror movies of this year without at least one of them. Number one was Paranormal Activity 3. What a banger. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about it. It's the prequel to the first two. It's fantastic. Great scares. Oh, it has that um that sheet drop um with the with the rotating camera that Brennan likes. That's oh, what, the one on the mm, fan. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. the one on the fan. Oh, it's I really forgot good. that. Yes, yes. You should watch it, Kyle. Also, okay. uh uh 2011 brought uh Ian's favorite installment in the Wrong Turn series, Wrong Turn 4, Bloody Beginnings. Please stop talking to me. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about some actual good movies now that, for some reason, those were the top five. We also have um, You're Next. Yes. Right? There you go. We got got some Larry Fessenden up in there. Hell yeah. 
one of the worst movies ever made. And then uh, The Human Centipede 2. Have not seen Any takers? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is it good, Brendan? Is it? I, I don't good? know if I don't know if this is true or not, but Tom Six said that it's in black and white because the uh, no distribution company would put it out because of how graphic it looked with color, so he changed it to black and white. My thought is he filmed the movie, realized it looked like shit, put it in black and white to say to to try and save face and make it feel a bit more artistic when it uh, no, I, i'm not gonna say that that would have been offensive um oh, it's it's terrible sh- darn okay well we also had the uh the thing 2011 which i think is like a prequel right like the base that falls who cares dude I'm just going to declare it right now. 2011 might be the worst year for horror. I was going to say, 2011 is turning out to be the year of the prequels. Holy shit. Yeah. I'm looking at these lists right now, and it's just a terrible fucking year. There, there, was, but, si- there was Silent House. That wasn't too bad. Did you guys see that one? That's the I supposed one shot with yeah. um, Elizabeth one of the Olsen sisters. Olsons? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Olsen, yeah. I also had Megan is Missing, which is one of the most garbage found footage movies ever. Hmm. Well, speaking of terrible horror movies that came out in 2011, today we're covering another <laughs> 2011 horror movie. It's called Kill List, directed by Ben Wheatley, written by Ben Wheatley and Amy Jump. Um, as far as the logistics go, the, the budget for the movie was about 800K, and... Um, it grossed about 29,000 domestically and 450,000 worldwide. So it made a lot more money overseas and, uh, opening it only premiered in two theaters for roughly 10 K. Wow. Oh, oh, what you popping? Oh, uh, uh, Bud Light Lime Pounder. Bud Light Lime Pounder. Are you, are you guys drinking anything? No, just, well, I'm drinking a decaf coffee. So. Oh, a decaf. I had to get a Pepsi to wake myself up. There you go. This movie stars Neil Maskell as Jay, Miana Burry as Shell. Sorry if I, I completely butchered these names. Harry Simpson as Sam, the boy, and then Michael Smiley as Gal. I love, I love Michael Smiley. He's Michael a great actor. Smiley is fantastic. Yeah, he's a great actor. And then we have, uh, just a shout out, we have Strew and Roger as the client, a.k.a. Joe Biden. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I, I couldn't read the cast list without giving him a shout out. British Joe Byron. British Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe, so, Joe Byron. Let's, uh, let's get into what we thought about the movie. Uh, Brendan, we're going to start with you. Okay. What did you think about Kill List? 2011 where did you stream it and uh, what did you think of it i streamed it on shutter i want to say does that sound right is it on shutter yes it is on shutter okay and that's where i watched it um i feel like i'm actually no it wasn't the same for bliss i was gonna say i'm two for two um this is another movie and i feel like i i always go back to this for some reason but this is a movie that a lot of people have told me to watch and it had been on my list for quite some time and i had heard a lot of really good things about it uh 
I don't think it necessarily lived up to the hype that I had about it. I thought that the first 40, maybe 35, 40 minutes were terrible. And I absolutely hated the main character who also doesn't pull off being a hitman whatsoever. Um, but I thought that with exception to the last five minutes, the like second act and first part of the third act were pretty dope. Um, okay. And Ian, what did you think of kill list 2011? This was, um, loosely your recommendation. You watched it on shutter, right? Shutter. Yeah. Okay. What did you think of the film? Uh, it was recommended to me by someone I do not like, but um, I, I put it on there, um, put it on my watch list for uh, out of respect because I'm a respectful person, all right. Um, and I just threw it on because it was like, and it's like an hour and thirty minutes, so I was like, you know, screw it. Um, and you know what? I actually digged it quite a bit. Uh, I liked the pacing; it was very slow, um and mysterious and it kind of just kept ramping up to the second act where it got a little more interesting they got into the hitman stuff and then the third act where it's just um just ends on its climax which is uh which is pretty dope i um can't say i'm surprised about the ending but um i was left a little shocked um that they actually did that so I streamed this movie on Shudder, and I think the pacing of the movie was probably one of the main issues as I had with it. Um, I the, I agree with Brendan in the sense that the first 30 to 40 minutes was uh, boring, and I also did not like the main character. I think it did start to pick up in the set, uh, the second act, not necessarily when they became, you know, the hired guns and they were doing that whole thing. The, it really picked up for me when they started leaving those subtle hints as to there was more going on. And I think you first got a glimpse of that with the priest that was killed. And, you know, he says, thank you and smiles. And once that scene happened, uh, it definitely grabbed me more. And I was like, okay, they're going to, they're going to pull me in and and it's going to go somewhere. <clears throat> and then it never did. The second act, it it ramps up to the point where the librarian's killed with the hammer and then after that scene, it dies down again for about another 30 minutes, 30 to 35 minutes. The ramp up just stops completely. And then it just goes back up to 11 at the very end. It wasn't a slow, gradual build. It was doing, I mean, this movie came out before Hereditary, but I said this before in the, like the chat that Hereditary did the buildup way better than this, like tenfold. And it was almost the same type of buildup, but with a better payoff. Uh, I don't wait, wait, think. Wait, Hereditary had the better payoff? Hereditary had the better okay, payoff. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't you think? think 100%. Hundred percent. Yeah. Do you disagree? I do. Um, I didn't think there was a lot of like, because in Hereditary they don't really show like a lot of the witchcraft stuff. They do show like the mom on the. Well, they don't show any of it in Kill List either. Well, they show. Well, they show like the whole cult thing. 
Well, yeah, and they do the at same the, thing at the, the end. end of, they like do the same minutes. They do the same thing at the end of Hereditary. Mm, do they? I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. they show they show um all of the spoiler alerts for Hereditary. They show all of the dead family members uh bowing to the kid from the Naked Brothers band. As they're hailing Paimon. Yeah. Mm. So for me, I kind of have a feeling that Brendan had with the eyes of my mother when he said, none of this really had to happen. (laughs) And that's kind of how I feel with this movie. I'm like, none of this really had to happen. And what was the point of all of it? Do you guys Yeah, I have any have an answer for you? Take on I, that? Yeah. I I get that. The please only, please I, uh, educate me if I'm ignorant. I feel like the the one justification I could make for it happening was this wicker man-esque cult needed to have a sacrifice or they needed to do a this ritual for some specific reason and i i think i've said this before i'm a big fan of ambiguity like i think that it's really fun to let the audience kind of gather the context clues and make up you know in figure out the story in their head but mm-hmm. with the exception of fiona carving the cult symbol on the back of the mirror of uh what's the guy's name dingus and uh his name was neil or no i'm sorry jay jay and his his wife uh shell shell yeah so when fiona carves the cult symbol on the back of their mirror it's like oh cool obviously we're dealing with a cult and then there's no context clues there's no background news articles like ritualistic killings popping up or you know just like give me something so that i can put a little more together other than this cult needs a specific group of people killed in a specific order to do whatever they have to do let's talk about that let's get into the nitty-gritty of that so the cult Let's let's talk about like I I'm really wanting to get some information from you if you guys have anything maybe Ian you took it a little differently I don't know but um what was the kilt or the kilt <laughs> what was the cult's <laughs> objective what was why why was he chosen why was uh tells his name again fucking fuckboy mm-hmm. Jay why was Jay chosen <clears throat> why did everybody know that he was the chosen one how did they know him like. Does any of this get answered that I didn't, you know, that I somehow missed or didn't pay like attention to? No, but I don't really think it needs a answer. I mean, it is what it is. You just take it as it is, you know. Um, the I forgot what I was going to say. There was a scene that didn't really make sense to me, and it was when Fiona was just one scene, or <laughs> <laughs> it was when Fiona was outside of the hotel and she was like yeah. in a white dress and it was kind of yeah. like blowing in there i thought i thought that was a very random um scene and it just i don't know yeah he sees her outside the hotel and then it's like hey this is a cult movie just just so you still know <laughs> <laughs> he, 
he sees her outside the hotel, and then literally the next cut, the next scene, he's back at the house, and she's there, and he says nothing about it. Yeah, the cuts are not impressive. But so, like, Ian, to to go off your point, if you're going to make a movie about a cult, you need to make us feel something about this cult. You either want us to agree with what they're doing or be like, oh, no, this is fucked up. And then when you see Nicolas Cage getting burned in a giant effigy, you're like, oh, I feel bad for him. I don't feel bad for for James. Uh, that's that's not it. I that's not his name. Bob. <laughs> Jay, dude. <laughs> Jay. Um, it's kind of forgettable. Uh, it's giant, isn't it? um like it's hard to feel can, can i can i spoil the do it dude okay this it's is a spoiler hard, cast, it, bro it's well i i wasn't sure if we were waiting for a specific time um 37 minutes in spoiler cast. <laughs> uh when when jay ends up killing his wife and son it's like okay that's why? fucked up but but why does this matter exactly like, like not be set aside how cool the hammers the hammer scene is wild i loved it loved it um oh, yeah. that that elicited an emo like a positive emotion out of me it, not 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 positive you know what i'm saying um but when he ends up killing his his wife and kid it's like what was the point of this at least in like a serbian film when when he fuck when the dude when the porn star does what he does to his wife and kids like at least there's an emotional connection to what's happening there and i can feel for it uh but this it's just like it just felt so shoehorned in and tried to like they're trying to elicit like a last minute emotion out of you and then it just stops the movie's just over like is is he their king now yeah i guess (laughs) yeah he, he slayed the hunchback the hunchback looks, is the person that they made <laughs> i think he like the final shot of him standing there i think is the perfect depiction of how the audience is supposed to feel just confused <laughs> like i don't even think he knows what he just did he's like what is happening like i just murdered my son and okay and then it just it, it cuts to black <laughs> i don't know so, one thing that I caught on the rewatch was about five minutes in, they actually um, depict this final scene as like um, a family moment. When the dad comes back from the grocery store, he bought all this wine, and then the mom's oh. getting angry, and then he has the swords with his kid, and then the kid gets on the mom's back, and then he's like killing her like for pretend to show the audience, hey, we're not totally a dysfunctional family. We have fun sometimes. Um, but it's a direct um, scene from the final ending. Nothing says fun like killing your wife and kid. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it is interesting that you bring that up. I, I did not put that together until you, you said that. Yeah, it was like shot for shot. The The kid was on the mom's back and it was like slow motion of him like jabbing the mom but it was it was obviously to show something else but uh, i thought that was pretty cool and i think um you could probably pick some other things out on the rewatch but i was um too busy trying to figure out other things so did the uh mom know all along then was she in on it the whole time (laughs) 
No I don't. Idea. I don't think so. Because she didn't know who Fiona was. Why was she laughing at the end and when the son got killed? That's the Fiona, question, isn't it? Wait, why was who laughing? Fiona, the mom. So when he stabs the kid in the back and she falls over, and he unmasks her, she starts to laugh. Do we have any insight on that? Is it a precursor to the beginning when she was laughing at a joke or something? (laughs) (laughs) Remember that one time she was laughing? (laughs) It was like a shot. She foreshadows the sequel. Um, (laughs) That's going to happen in 20 years. Like, I'm legitimately curious. Like, do you guys think the wife was in on it or not? Because that last, like, that's a legitimate question. Like, because the last scene, she, she laughs at the very end. And I was confused by that because... She was just shooting a bunch of these fools up at her home. And then at the end, she laughs after the kid gets killed. And she's obviously befriending the, like, the cultist chick. And like, there's some story progression with that, but then they don't really follow up with that story thread either. Maybe, maybe between the time of her shooting the people... And turning into the hunchback, she was fully indoctrinated, but that was like 15 minutes, maybe. So, I mean, it might have been like a realization of, oh, this is what we've wanted to do in our heads for a long time since we're a dysfunctional family, and it actually came true. Maybe that's why she's laughing. God, their Mm -hmm. marriage is that it, oh, Jesus Christ. The whole hot and cold thing where she's just screaming and completely beating the shit out of them and then it cuts to black and then they're like kissing each other on the forehead and stuff yeah yeah so it is kind of a uh a hitman-esque movie a boondock saints 3 if you will um which they're coming out with they're filming it i heard about that yeah yes hell yes (laughs) the uh they have three targets the priest the librarian and um the mp do we know why these people were targets? Um, Joe Biden says yes. the whole point of hiring these two people was for the reconstruction. And I'm guessing he means like the reconstruction of the cult. But what does that mean to you guys as far as like why those targets were chosen? Maybe they were more corrupt than the cult wanted them to be. But I, they wouldn't have been okay with the cult killing them then. Yeah, they were very happy about it. With the cult killing who? Them. Them. Oh, if, if they're the corrupt ones, maybe right? it was. Maybe they were happy to be sacrificed for my, the hitmen's journey. I guess. My idea is, when Ben Wheatley was writing this, he was like, "What would make a good chapter title?" Priest. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the reason why I'm asking all these questions is because these are all questions I legitimately don't have the answers to. And I'm curious if you guys have any insight on it. Well, so is this supposed to be a movie where we don't question anything and we just take it at face value? But I feel like if that's what he wanted, he would give us a little more information. Yeah, he would have spilled it out. Because this seems like it was around the time of of 
it, correct me if I'm wrong, this was maybe in like the middle of like the extreme French wave horror mm-hmm. of like frontiers and martyr and thing like martyrs and things like that. So was where was he trying to shoehorn some like I said shoehorn way too many times today. Um was he trying to get like some like explicit shock factor in there to try and it seems like all shock be, factor. Yeah, dude. was was he is he trying to like be included on the lists of those movies? The or, kill list, if you will. Uh, oh. Oh, you said it. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no, I uh, that was I I just I can get the appeal of this movie. It just makes little to no sense. Well, on it making sense, let me read to you one of the most liked letterboxed reviews on this, okay? Okay. It's a five-star hearted, okay? And it just says, I still have no idea, no idea exactly what it is in this film that unsettles me so much. Then again, I think it might be everything. The erratic editing, the echoing, howling soundscape, the dangerously high levels of uncertainty. Kill List is a combination of everything that disorients the human psyche. The final act is a bonkers masterclass in horror and discombobulation and makes you forget that there's actually a plot going on. (laughs) The end result is a state of confusion, panic, and when taking a step back with a deep breath, with a calmer mind, you can really help your mental state and view the plot. Believe it or not, this movie really makes sense. Fantastic. Wait, I thought that said they forgot about the plot. Uh, They did. Okay. You can believe that there's actually a, and it makes you forget that there's actually a plot going on. So no, he says there is a plot. Oh, okay. And and he says, believe it or not, it makes sense. He or she. Um, this movie makes no sense. I do like the soundtrack though. It's very the soundtrack's eerie. cool. I loved the sound that the Colts made when they were running through the tunnels yeah. at the end. Like this high screech, like almost like monster like a, alien sound. Yeah, like a pig screaming. Yeah. Yeah, like that that tunnel scene was really effective. Oh yeah, it was good. And it's oh, just him shooting his best friend. Yeah. Brutal. I got I gotta ask you guys, like how many cultists do you guys think were there? Ten. Well, as many as ten. it took to take him down, Cal. The the only reason why I ask is because you have two trained ex-military hired guns one with an automatic rifle probably at least 40 to 50 rounds in and the other had a, a shotgun a tactical shotgun and a handgun why did they run away why did they yeah. mow down all of these people they easily could have they were coming in like a freight train <laughs> that, that doesn't matter <laughs> making weird noises and they're it, naked. <laughs> if you're spawn camping in Call of Duty, it's easy to kill people right as they pop in front of you. True, but that one that gets to you can just knife you and you're dead. Brennan, give me another pro of this movie that you like. Uh, okay, I, I already mentioned the the hammer scene. I think that... I would think that we all agree, maybe, that the hammer scene is... Uh, the most brutal moment of the movie. Can we all yeah. agree on that? Yep, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Yeah, no, that I I think that that scene was it. It shows uh 
Tim becoming really, really unhinged. Um, Jay it shows Jay becoming Tim. <laughs> <laughs> you have a new name for him every time. I don't think I wrote his name down once in my notes. Um, but no, it shows him becoming like really unhinged. And it seems like he does want his family to stay together. Um, maybe that's why she was laughing at the end. Maybe that's why she was laughing at the end because, because she realizes how badly he wants them all to be together and he just killed her. Maybe that's why she was laughing. Yeah. That, I don't know, man, that laughing thing just throws me off so much because I, I can't tell whether or not she was trying to make this relationship work or if it was like a plan from the very beginning. I mean, we know that the cultist chick got with his best friend specifically to get closer to the main character, Tim, but we don't know why. And um, the part that really hooked me, really hooked me, is when uh, he's talking to the librarian and his friend walks away and he's like, hey, before he comes back, like, he doesn't know who you really are, right? And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, he doesn't know who you are. and I I thought the movie was going to fucking take off after that moment, man. Yeah. I was like, I was fully reeled in after that scene. Like, completely ready to go. Like, I, I might have even screamed, let's go. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I was in it at that point. And then it just dropped off. It just, lo- it, it, it didn't take it anywhere. And I was so bummed, man. Because this movie to me does, it has a lot of the qualities that I like in a movie. Like, I like the, like the, I like the film style. I love the editing, actually. The editing was great. And aside from the main character, Tim, I liked the acting in the movie. <laughs> Jay? Jay, sorry, Jay. Um, but I don't know. This movie just didn't speak to me. Um, I'm not trying to shit on this movie. That's, that's not what I'm trying to do. But this, this movie has, like, a really high rating on Letterboxd. And it's I'm trying to figure out what audience is viewing this film and I'm starting to think that a lot of the letterboxed users now are just Gen Zers, you know, or just, <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, it doesn't have a lot of reviews. Yeah, that's fair too. Uh, there's um, a, there is a question I had. What was the purpose of the rabbit scene to show off? Yeah, I think it was just supposed to be like a, like to show his, like it does like, his toughness. Like he's just, He's unscathed by like violence and grotesque shit. I guess I I don't know. Okay. It does throw <laughs> a lot of um, phrases, like random phrases, out. Like uh, when he went to go see the doctor, and then he just ends with that with that one quote, and then it's like, yeah, what? Like, who? What? Why? So the cult. Yeah, that's so the cult. Like like replace the doctor because he knew he was like it's almost like the cult has somewhere or someone everywhere but none of that is explained and like there's no purpose for it yeah because they're like hey what happened to my other doctor and he's like no 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 don't, don't worry about your other doctor i'm here now <laughs> how's your sex life <laughs> it's like why though <laughs> like why though you know um we gotta touch on something else do you guys have anything like i feel like i've been rambling this whole fucking episode 
I didn't. Ram along. Ram along. Oh. Talk to me. Talk to me, people. Ian, four out of five, buddy. Talk to me. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that was a mistake, to be honest. Talk to me, buddy. The second watch was not as enjoyable. Not going to lie. Gotcha. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. <laughs> definitely see. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it did have a lot of uh, cool moments, though. Um, even though it just didn't add up at the end, I still enjoyed. Um, I still enjoyed most of the scenes and the buildup. Um, I know you didn't like that because it stopped after he like the after the was the librarian. Yeah, I, I I'm a yeah. huge fan of a slow burn and a huge fan of a buildup and. Yeah, for me, it dropped off after that. I don't know if it was the same for you. It was good for me. And I, I like the camaraderie between the, the two main hitmen. What about the... the Holy shit, Dom gave it a one and a half. Uh, yeah, I, I just, just saw I was, that. I just saw that. Jesus. Um, what about the... Uh, there was one really big emotional beat at the beginning of the movie uh, during the... Uh, the dinner scene where uh, Jeff and Tina start arguing and they like walk out of the kitchen and they're screaming at each other. And then Gal takes little boy and he takes him up to bed. I, I, I thought that that was actually kind of like a really heavy moment because the, I, this is something that Gal is used to at this point And, he doesn't want to subject a little boy to it. I thought that that was like a really, really deep moment. I liked that a lot. I actually, yeah, that scene was really, really good. And it just shows how like, how comfortable he was with the whole situation as well. Like how naturally good he was with the kid. It kind of makes you feel bad for him. Like he could be such a good father figure and probably have like, to be a really good family man, but he kind of expresses that later on that like it just never happened for him. He's been like lonely for so long and nothing's ever clicked. Yeah, that part, I did enjoy that scene as well. And there was the one line that he had that he had to shave his pubes after last night. <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> was it because uh, of crabs? No, because there's there is uh, another line where he said that she was using duct tape on his dick. Um, so my thought is that someone was like British lingo, though. No, I, I don't think I think he was being literal. I think that she used duct tape and it ripped some of his pubes out and now they're uneven. So he had to shave them all. At least at least that's how I took it. I don't know if that's true or not. It jerried the duct tape on my bob. I don't know. He said something like that. But <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> and cheerio. And it... Got a rip of the old uh, the sticky tape. Unless you guys have anything else to talk about, um, like, I, 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 I feel I feel like there is much more to talk about, but like I I, I do too. I, I, I like I genuinely do too. I feel but like I'm have, so, so sorry. Go ahead. Well, I feel like uh, he he kills a dog. Yeah, he uh, kills the dog too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. See, that's what I, I'm. I, I like. I'm so. I mean, exactly. it has a lot of good scenes. It just doesn't add up like, at the end. Well, nothing adds up. That's why, like, 
I've never rambled so much in one of our episodes because I'm trying to get answers <laughs> that I probably will never get. And not because like he's he's making it, you know, he's leaving us with the the thing. You guys decide what it really means. It, like, no, it just doesn't make sense. Like none of it adds up, in my opinion. In my opinion, audience. If you like this, if, if this is a five out of five for you, fucking sail on, brother or sister. You you keep going, about you it. keep trucking. But like, I don't know, man. I just don't I don't get it. So there there's there's four main kills. There's the priest, hmm. there's the librarian, there's the or is the MP before the librarian? No, the MP's last. Who is the MP? Was it the dude who, like, had his arms out? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's, like, a member of, of uh, parliament, so he's, like, a, uh, like, what, like, a congress person w- would be for us, I think. Yeah. I mean, the kills when he went to go, um, for the, what was it, the child predators, that was a cool, that was a cool moment of him just going off. And like smashing that dude's head in the door, and then he was like, "What are we gonna do about this guy?" Pop, pop, pop. That's what we're gonna do. Yeah, his face looked fucking rad. Yeah. Like how it was mangled and shit. Like it looked really cool. I don't know if it was like a a fake body or if it was like a person with like prosthetics and makeup on, but it looked really cool. Yeah, his face was like shaved off. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> You know, it just it seems like there's just so much fluff in this movie to like the first 35 minutes is just solidifying that he has a bad marriage. <laughs> That's it. Take five or 10 minutes off to do something else with the cult. I, I, I just wish that there was more of the cult stuff, honestly. Yeah, it was like the last 10 minutes. Yeah. I don't know. Let's let's get into our uh, let's get into our final thoughts, guys. Final thoughts and rating of Dip. Kill List, two thousand and eleven. Brendan, we're gonna start with you. Oh, oh no. Okay. Oh no 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 no. Yeah, no, I called no. dibs. I don't know if you heard that. I I did not hear it. Ian, what is your final thoughts and review of Kill List twenty eleven? So if you go on Letterboxd website and there there's going to be like a trailer button and in that trailer there's a quote and the quote says the best hitman horror movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I'm going to have to agree with that. I'm also going to have to say that this is also the worst hitman horror movie I've ever seen in my life. Um cuz there's not a lot out there. There's there's probably none. So that is a very fair and safe quote to have in a trailer. Um, kind of useless, not going to lie. Um, this movie has a lot of good, but I, I have to agree with you guys. It, it, it's uh, That ain't it. it it's, uh, it's, it's not all there. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, I'm going to go with a rating of 65. 65 from your boy Ian. Okay. Brennan, final thoughts and review of Killist 2011. Uh, could have been a lot better. Could have also been a lot worse. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I would also say I'm not familiar with any other Hitman horror movies, so I guess that is technically an accurate quote. Um, very interesting concept from Ben Wheatley, poor execution. And that's a shame because I do like uh, a good bit of his of his other work. Not that I, I don't dislike this movie, it's just not great did not live up to the hype i'd give it a 50 50 i'll give it a 50 50 i'm going to make it a priority of mine in the coming weeks to find a better hitman horror movie <laughs> that way i can debunk that quote completely and we could put that to rest um I will say that, um, once again, that this movie did not leave my bones rattling. Um, it didn't shred my nerves. And it didn't unhinge me. As the poster specifically says it will do. But um, I thought this had potential. And it wasn't the directing or the style that squandered it. It was just the writing and the pacing to me that just completely destroyed this potential, honestly, because visually and stylistically, there's a lot there, but that's, that's where it ends. Um, I'm going to give this movie a 55%. So that puts the official Red Room score at 56% for a movie that has an average of 3.5 on Letterboxd. I don't think it's bad. You don't think Killis is a 56? Is that what you're saying? I don't think it's like an F. Yeah. I'd give it a D minus. Yeah, I would... uh... The lowest. It's weird because I agree and I disagree with you at the same time. It's weird. It, it's, it's just a weird one. This one really tripped me out. You're welcome. In a weird way. Not, not in a good way, though. But we're going to put this movie behind us. And now we're going to end every episode how we do with, Is it fresh? Is it right? I don't know. Is it fresh? The game where... Ian and Brendan have to guess the percentage of the Rotten Tomatoes score of a film based on the description that I provide them. If they get that right, they get awarded a point, which then moves them on to the second round where they guess what the percentage is, what the percentage is. They get within 7%. They get awarded a secondary point. Right now, for the year 2022, we have Ian at 2, Brendan at 5. He has a strong lead. That Dobby statue is mine. But I'm telling you, it's not looking great. It's not looking great. Um, gentlemen, are you ready? I am ready, Freddy. ready. Number one. A mysterious virus hits an isolated elementary school, transforming the kids into feral swarm of mass savages who have been turned by contaminated chicken nuggets. An unlikely hero must lead a motley band of teachers in the fight of their lives. Is it fresh or is it rough? 
This is not a real film. <laughs> yeah, it is. Genre horror comedy. Yeah. Oh, that's rotten. Chicken nuggies? Chicken nug nugs, dude. Nah, it's gotta be rotten. It is in fact rotten. You guys both get awarded the point. Now guess the percentage. I th- I think I'm familiar with what the movie is, and I feel like it's a fun movie, but I don't think it's that great. Uh, 45? Yeah, I'll say 45. I'm going to go 20. You guys both do not get the extra point. It is 37% with 5,000. Is it cooties? With 5,000 plus ratings. Directed by Carrie Murnian and Jonathan Milo. I'm going to say that's how you pronounce it. It is the 2014 film Cooties. They also co-directed another film, and that's their highest rated film. It's called... It's the 2020 film Becky at 72%. Sorry, I had it at another area of the, the, the honestly, document. Honestly, can I, can I say Becky's not half bad? 72%. That is user score. So the like, fans would agree with you. Kevin, that's the, is that, that's the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, right? Or the Kevin James one? Because I, I like both it. of them. I haven't seen it. Okay. Number two. Long inhabited by human settlers the red planet has become the manifest destiny of an overpopulated earth. Nearly 640,000 people now live and work all over Mars, mining the planet for its abundant natural resources. But one of those mining operations has uncovered a deadly mother load, a long dormant Martian civilization whose warriors are systematically taking over the bodies of human intruders. Is it fresh or is it frozen? I gotta say, I've never seen a horror movie on Mars or take place on Mars. Um, I'm gonna genre say horror sci-fi. I'm gonna say rotten. I'm gonna go rotten as well. It is in fact rotten. You guys both get awarded a point. Guess the percentage. Thirty. Twenty-three. You guys both get awarded the second point. This is a wow. arms race right here. This is this is getting good. This is getting good. It is in fact twenty-four percent. Ooh, you almost got it on the dot. If you would have gotten on the dot, I would have given you two points off that. Damn. With that's actually the new rule right there. Boom! If you get it on the percent, you get two points and not just one. With 25,000 plus ratings, it is, in fact, the 2001 film Ghost of Mars, directed by John Carpenter. What? Highest rated film is Halloween 1978 at 96%. Ghost of Mars. That has Ice Cube. Jason Statham. Ice Cube. Yep. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The real thing? It's a real thing. Number three. Sam, a down-and-out New Yorker who is grieving over his father's death and has just broken up with his girlfriend, is lost in an alcoholic haze. When he meets the seductive Anna at a party, he immediately falls under her spell 
Soon, Sam is pulled into a sporadic relationship with the mysterious woman, and it increasingly involves blood being shed, slowly affirming his suspicion that he may be dating an actual vampire. Is it fresh or is it rotten? Genre horror. I'm going to go fresh. I'll also go... Yeah, I'll go fresh. It is, in fact, fresh! Guess the percentage. Man, I wish I was paying attention a little more. I am just obsessed with this Ghost of Mars movie. (laughs) (laughs) The images are insane. Oh, my God, there's Ice Cube just Um, dual-wielding some six machine guns. John Carpenter, too. Look at him. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, sorry. What, what were we doing? <laughs> um, I'm gonna go seventy-five. Brendan? Oh, I, I, I don't know if you heard me. I said sixty. Oh, sorry. I did not hear you. And Brendan gets awarded the points. It is, in fact, at 63% with over 1K ratings. It is the 1997 movie Habit, directed by Larry Fessenden. And it actually stars the guy who gets killed at the beginning of your next, the guy that's uh, taking the shower and his his body's in the thing. That's Larry Fessenden. Oh, it's directed by him? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, yeah. So, um, Ian, you'll probably love it. (laughs) Number four. Don't shit on my Fessenden like that. Hey, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. (laughs) Chrissy and her friends set out on a road trip for a final fling before one is shipped off to Vietnam. Along the way, there's bikers that harass the foursome and cause an accident that throws Chrissy from the vehicle. The lawman who arrives on the scene kills one of the bikers and brings Chrissy's friends to the... Hewitt Homestead, where young Leatherface is learning the tools of terror. Is it fresh, or is it rotten? I'm gonna say rotten, but I don't, I don't, I don't know which massacre. I think this is is. Leatherface. No, there's no bikers in Leatherface. I haven't seen it, so. And it's not the, it's not the, it's not the 3D one either. Definitely not. That one's actually pretty good. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's got uh, Alexandria Daddario, right? It also has Trey Songs, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah Brendan I mean, is up that. a point. Brendan is up a point. Um, I'm going to go Rotten. What did I say? You didn't say. Oh, Rotten. It is, in fact, Rotten. Guess the percentage. Yeah, those Leatherface movies don't do good, do they? 25. Yeah, no, I, I'm, yeah, I feel like it's a very low score. 16. Whew, Jesus. <laughs> you guys are both incorrect. It is sitting at 53% oh. with 250,000 plus ratings. Genre horror directed by Jonathan Liebsman, highest rated 71% The Killing Room 2009. It is, in fact, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, colon, The Beginning, 2006. Oh, that's the sequel to the reboot, right? Mm. 
probably. Or, or the prequel to the reboot, I should say. So it's still Ian 4, Brendan 5. Number five. When a group of college students decides to spend spring break at the secluded island estate of their wealthy classmate, Muffy St. John, what starts out as a fun hedonistic weekend turns into something more sinister. Muffy is very fond of practical jokes and sets up numerous gags throughout her mansion. But when friends begin going missing and turn up dead, they realize that they're trapped on the isolated island with a mysterious and brutal killer. Is it fresh or is it rotten? Ian's still down one point. This is the make or break. I'm going to say rotten. I don't know what the score is, but this was like the third or fourth movie that I ever bought on DVD. And it was horror, mystery, thriller. I'm going to go rotten on this one. It is, in fact, rotten. So you guys both get awarded a point. It all comes down to this. Guess the percentage. Doesn't sound too bad. Um, I'm going to go 49. I'm going to give it the number of the universe, 42. You guys both get awarded the points, which puts Brendan one point ahead and takes it for the night. It is, in fact, 47% with 10,000-plus ratings. If you would have got it on the percent, you would have took the lead, Ian. Dude. It is directed by Fred Walton, the 1986 film April April Fool's Day. Day. That movie is... Is it fresh? Is it right? I don't know. Is it fresh? I only remember. I only remembered once you said the character's name because I remember Mm -hmm. thinking about how fucking stupid that name was when I watched it. That's the only thing that jogged it in my memory. Fair enough. I I haven't seen it, but it looked like the cover alone. I'm like Jesus. It's so. It's so. It's. I I can understand like the 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 appeal of it but it's it's a dumb fucking movie yeah i mean it looks dumb but uh, it looks interesting looks interesting that puts us at ian two brendan six for the year so far he just continues to take the lead even further ian how do you feel i feel like i've been getting closer to the actual number so if if we were doing points on that i'd be winning i mean we are doing points on that but no, closer to the like the guess, closer to the today percentage. That's literally what the second question is all about. No, we do um, whoever gets within seven. Okay, well, um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, we still got a long way to go until the end of the year, so I'm I'm sure you'll make a triumphant comeback. Oh, short. <laughs> I'm sure, but. <laughs> Well, this one, this one, let me tell you, kill this. This has been another episode of Ruminations of Red Room, the Joe Biden lookalike of the Ruminations Radio Network. If you like what we're doing here, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Ruminations of Red Room and on Twitter at of Red Room. That's OF Red Room. 
And please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Make sure you hit us up with a review and give us a rating. That being said, I am your host, Kyle, with AK. And today we have Brendan, the new blood. Don't forget to pour one out for the uh, anti-vaxxer lead singer of the Mighty Buddy Boss Tones. And Ian with two E's. There's a lot of media, a lot of fun media going on right now. You know, you got the you got the new Peacemaker. Peacemaker. You got the new that new Pokemon game. So just you know, just if you're a nerd or a geek, you know, just go have fun. Enjoy yourself. Binge. But more importantly, binge ruminations of Red Rum available on iTunes and Spotify. Stay spooky, folks.